0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned
2: litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. vs. China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.
3: One type of evidence in abundance is footprints. Casts of alleged Sasquatch footprints have been made from impressions all over the world. These prints provide experts with a well-known clue, dermal ridges, better known as fingerprints. One of the best fingerprint experts in America is crime scene investigator Jimmy Chilcutt. He will examine casts of footprints for dermal ridge evidence to determine whether they were faked or whether they were caused by a known or unknown species. Our fingerprint expert, Police officer Jimmy Chilcott examined many footprint casts in an effort to find dermal ridge patterns that point to other known primates, a hoax or a new species.
1: I've come to the following solid conclusion. Number one, that there is a great ape living in North America. Number two, that the friction ridges of this great ape are not human nor known primate. This conclusion may come as a shock to some people but I stake my reputation on it. It's
0: actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before.
3: A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a twenty-four mile long, bottomless lake in the Highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster.
4: Monster talk. Hello and welcome to Monster Talk, where skeptics discuss monsters. I'm Blake Smith, and together with my co-host, Dr. Karen Stolsno, skeptic and now one of the hosts of CFI's Point of Inquiry, and Ben Radford, managing editor of Skeptical Inquirer, we talk about monsters and science. Today we're going to interview a notable figure in the world of Bigfoot, retired crime scene investigator Jimmy Chilcutt. Chilcutt made quite a splash when he reported that he'd found evidence supporting the plausibility of a North American ape, and we'll ask him a lot of questions about his findings. But first, let's find out more about fingerprints and dermal ridges from Dr. Stolzno.
0: We tend to think of fingerprints as the unique patterns on our fingertips, but more specifically, these are friction ridges, the patterned raised portion of the skin, while a fingerprint itself is an impression of that friction ridge. In humans, friction ridge is a general term for the patterns found on the fingertips and palms of the hands, known as palmer prints, and those found on the toes and soles of the feet, known as planter prints. These friction ridges are also known as epidermal or dermal ridges, or dermatoglyphs, and the scientific study of these is called dermatoglyphics. In a figurative sense, fingerprint is a metaphor used to refer to any distinguishing characteristic that is a unique marker of individual personal identity. In a literal sense, a fingerprint is indeed unique. It is a unique marker of individual physical identity. No two individuals have the exact same friction ridge arrangement, and a fingerprint pattern is never repeated. Interestingly, Identical twins have the same DNA configuration, but they do not have identical friction ridge configuration, although their fingerprints are about 95% alike. But there is an inheritable quality to fingerprints. The pattern types, such as whorls, loops, and arches are often genetically inherited, but the individual patterns themselves are not. The exact details and arrangements of the friction ridges are random and not genetically linked. Our fingerprints are formed in utero, and this process begins in the 10th week of gestation. The patterns are preserved during the growth of the fetus, and by the 17th week of pregnancy, the fingerprints of a fetus are already established as permanent and definitive. Our fingerprints are persistent throughout our entire lives. The prints are coded underneath the skin surface and can't be destroyed by superficial skin injuries. However, rare cases of chemotherapy-induced hand-foot syndrome can cause peeling on the palms and soles, and even the loss of fingerprints. Other diseases and rashes can cause this loss too, as can labor that wears down the ridges. But this damage usually isn't permanent, and the skin will regenerate, although age can decrease the prominence of our fingerprints. There have been documented cases of people intentionally trying to alter their fingerprints to conceal their identity, but mutilating of fingerprints like this, or accidentally burning or cutting them, leaves scars that still present unique aspects and identifying features. And unique identifiable features mean that our fingerprints are a useful form of identification. In fact, they're perceived as an infallible way to verify identity. friction ridge patterns vary within limits which allows for classification, while the unique structures allow for conclusive identification. Of course, fingerprint recognition is far from palm reading. Methods of fingerprint identification have been used by police agencies since the late 19th century. And now fingerprint analysis is commonly used in forensic research and for biometrics. Fingerprints are unique to individual humans, but not unique to humans. Other primates also have fingerprints, as do a few non-primates such as koalas and fishes. They're a member of the weasel family. However, fisher prints differ in that they're made up of patterns of dots instead of ridges. Some primates even have fingerprints on their prehensile tails. Fingerprints evolved in animals that required a great deal of manual dexterity for climbing and for grasping objects. Friction ridges have become gripping surfaces like tread for fingers. Other species may also have unique patterns in their tracks, and this information might assist in their conservation, such as for counting numbers of animals in the wild. Since gorillas, chimpanzees, and other primates have friction ridges on their hands and feet, if Bigfoot exists, we should be able to find friction ridges on those infamous footprints. Have the dermal ridges of a Bigfoot already been discovered? Monster dog.
4: And today, of course, we're going to end up talking with... uh who? Jimmy Chilcutt. That's right. <laughs> Jimmy. Uh, this, we've gotten so many uh, questions from listeners, and they mostly want to know about um, Matt Crowley's work. So Matt is uh, a Bigfoot aficionado. Uh, and I'm not sure that's the right word. Bigfoot enthusiast? I don't know. He was He was someone who was interested in the question of, of whether Bigfoot was real. And, and uh, he got very interested in this, uh, the dramatoglyphics. And came to the conclusion that it's possible that some of the, uh, what, what Chilcutt sees as, uh, dermal ridges are actually, uh, what Chilcutt calls, uh, casting artifacts and, um, what, uh, Crowley calls, let's see, desiccation ridges. So mm. there, there's several different terms. We'll have to get all that straightened out. Um, did either of you get to watch the National Geographic uh, Bigfoot documentary last night? No. I have the to. Window. Oh, wow. I have to say, uh, I was really disappointed. Um, uh, usually, National Geographic does a really good job of, uh, of giving, I guess, a balanced view between the skeptics and believers on, on topics. This particular one was about Bigfoot, and it's the first new documentary besides Monster Quests, if you can count Monster Quests as a documentary. Um, be scare quotes. Yeah, that's, that would be scare quotes, exactly. And the, the, the delivery uh, of the material uh, seemed to be funneled through uh, Jeff Meldrum and a guy named Bill Munns. And Munns is the guy who's done a lot he's done a lot of special effects work, and he's studied the Bigfoot question for, for quite a long time. And he's also the person who's who's made the uh, Gigantopithecus that you see a lot of times. I think uh, it's an upright uh, presentation of the creature. Now, in the multiple experts we've talked to on our show have indicated that they believe that uh, since we don't really have full skeletal remains for Gigantopithecus, that it's likely that the creature didn't stand upright. That he used to uh, moved like an orangutan. Uh, orangutan. Mm-hmm whether that's right or not uh it was interesting in that they got new i guess they got a first generation copy of the patterson film from patty patterson um and he took uh an old projector and frame by frame shot high resolution photos of the frames and then used that to do a uh, a motion correction so that you can see the creature motion correction or, or stabilizations have been done before um but this was yeah but this was really pretty i mean that's nice but in his analysis they used uh, animatics which are the little uh, digital models that you can use to recreate action or maybe like for if you're doing a, a film you can do a uh, a computer version of the action before you you know block it out and shoot it uh in in a lot of these documentaries lately they're using animatics to recreate scenes in in, in historical uh like they do that in Kennedy assassination documentaries and they're doing it in bigfoot Uh, and, and these animatics, uh, Munns was saying that the shoulders of the, of the creature couldn't match those of the shoulders of a human being. But the whole time, they're completely disregarding the fact that all the stories of, of the person in the suit involve heavy padding, uh, and makeup and, uh, helmet type equipment, which would mean that the person in the suit wouldn't match up to the actual shoulders of the human being inside, that the shoulders <laughs> of the creature would not match up. So I, I found that, um, I, I disingenuous? it disingenuous, disingenuous, disappointing. I know that the information uh, has to be available to the people who produced it because all they have to do is go to the JREF boards at the James Reddy Educational Foundation, uh, and they could find plenty of people to shoot holes in those theories or at least give them a counterpoint to discuss about whether – their idea is the right one or whether there's really this is really good strong indicator of bigfoot of all the creatures we talk about on monster talk bigfoot is certainly one that i would love to be true i think it has the most impact for humans if it were true because having Mm -hmm. another close relative would give us all kinds of information you know that i don't think that's fair to make documentaries where you don't give the obvious counterpoints you know they're obvious to me i assume they're obvious to lots of other bigfooters i don't know if they're obvious to people who watch the show and are not informed but that's what that's part of what our show's about is giving the other side
2: when it, especially for for National geographic i mean it's you know we're not talking the learning channel here i mean
4: right I, I don't know if this is going to be a real series i think it was called american paranormal and the first episode was bigfoot and the second episode was about ghosts
2: that's a giveaway
0: then, isn't it? It could The title.
4: Be, right. It, it could be, right? So the second show was about ghosts. And okay. I vowed after watching the Bigfoot episode that if the ghost episode, if anybody pulled out an EMF detector, I was out. So about, I don't know, it was five or six minutes into the show, the EMFs came out, I was out. So <laughs> I don't know how that turned out, but I, I really, I couldn't watch it last night. It was, I just couldn't take it. We're going to have two Bigfoot episodes back to back. So we've got Jimmy Chilcutt this week. And then we've got Greg Long. So we'll be talking about Bigfoot. You know, our episodes come out every other week, but we'll be uh, talking about Bigfoot, two episodes back-to-back. And it should be some interesting point and counterpoint going on here.
2: All oh, Bigfoot, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot talk. One thing we may have, uh, one thing that as we go along, it might be helpful. I don't know whether he will do it or one of us can do it as we go along, or we can put we can slug it in afterwards. Um, but for example, references to the Skookum cast—you um, know—he's going to know what that is, and all of us will. But but the listeners won't necessarily. And so, um,
4: well, let's talk about that. Do you you want to give a brief overview of the Skookum cast because you, you've had some you've had some attempted interaction with the cast,
2: <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Skookum cast was uh, was supposedly a full body cast that was found um, during an expedition by the Bfro, the Bigfoot <laughs> Researchers Organization. Uh, I think Matt Moneymaker was there, Rick Knoll, a couple other people. It was found in Skookum Meadows, and basically they they uh, had set out uh, all sorts of gear uh, and cameras and whatnot, trying to uh, trying to you know track a Bigfoot. And one of the things they did was set out some bait, uh, and so they put out some apples and and other other fruits uh, near a, uh, a little muddy wallow and. Um, uh, they came back, um, I think, overnight, and they came back the next day. And and one one uh, one of the team members uh, said that he thought he saw the impression of a Bigfoot body uh, in the uh, in the mud. Unfortunately, they didn't have the presence of mind to actually have a camera there or anything that might have photographed this this alleged uh, creature. But um, uh, and there's all sorts of holes in the story, and I, I discussed that somewhat in my article uh, Bigfoot at Fifty. Uh, but um, Basically, it was this big amorphous blob. Uh, uh,
4: uh, links to which will be in the show notes.
2: Links to which will be in the show, and it was this basically this large amorphous blob that they were claiming, uh, you know, could be interpreted as a bigfoot. And um, there were lots of problems, including why the big. Basically, they were claiming that the bigfoot uh, was trying to avoid leaving tracks. Uh, and and any any sign of its presence, so instead it it made a a huge, I think, 15-square-foot imprint in the mud uh, while reaching for some apples, uh, which doesn't really make sense to me. But at any rate, this was touted at the time as being basically the best evidence for Bigfoot since the 67 Patterson-Gimlin film. And I had asked uh, Matt Moneymaker uh, for permission to view the cast because it was, uh, as I understand, it was his property at the time, and I was refused uh, several times. Uh, Mister MoneyMaker uh, didn't want uh, didn't want any skeptics looking at it. He was uh, very concerned that uh, skeptics or any any scientists that weren't on his short list looked at it that they might find something that he didn't like. Um, I, I finally did get a chance to, to see the Scoopum cast at a uh, Bigfoot convention in Idaho. That was actually when when I first met Matt Crowley. Uh, so I've since seen it and done some done some examinations of it, but. Uh, that's, uh, that's basically the, the, uh, the Skookum cast in a nutshell, although uh, one follow-up was that, uh, that uh, there were some people, again, were claiming that it was a Bigfoot uh, imprint, uh, but another person um, suggested it was probably a kneeling elk, uh, and he uh, showed um, uh, Anton Robleski, I think, had done that, and he'd shown how uh, a kneeling elk could make exactly the same imprint in, in mud. Uh, that uh, that you see it in the cooking
4: cut and I, I think most skeptics agree that uh, the the elk wallow is a is a much more plausible uh, explanation we can link to the findings by dr Anton Rovlovski in our show notes as well
0: and yet these are always touted as the best examples that's rather telling you did monster Dog.
4: okay here we go all right this is um, we're calling from Monster Talk, and uh, we're a skeptical science show that talks about monsters. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to our show or not. Um, I'm going to introduce you. You are Jimmy Chilcutt. You are a longtime Texas law enforcement agent, uh, retired now if I understand correctly, with more right. with more than 18 years of experience doing fingerprinting uh-huh. and, uh, and, crime. and crime scene investigation, and also a uh, Vietnam vet. Yes, yes. Okay, And um, the reason we're calling you is because of your research um, with uh, primate dermal ridges and the research that you found, uh, evidence that you think supports the idea that there may be a a mysterious North American ape. Uh, That's correct. Okay. So let's start off with some of the basics so our listeners will know who you are. Uh, Can you tell us about your background with fingerprinting and law enforcement?
1: Okay, well, first thing, I've got uh, over 26 years in law enforcement. I hold a a master's uh, police officer certificate uh, for the state of Texas. And for the last 18 years before my retirement, I was in uh, a crime scene investigator and a latent uh, latent fingerprint examiner. And, uh, of course, as a crime scene investigator, I did just what you see on CSI every day, go to crime scenes and collect physical evidence from the crime scene, take it back to the lab, and process that evidence. And Fingerprints happen to be my specialty, so uh, a few years ago, back in the early 90, uh, 1990s, I started to uh, do some research on trying to be able to determine gender and uh, race by looking at the fingerprints. And I got a, a certain amount of uh, accuracy, but never 100% or nothing that I could actually uh, put in a report or do a paper on. And so I felt that uh, the reason that I was never 100% because of the interbreeding of uh, the, the human race, and I felt that the primates, since they did not interbreed, the great apes, uh, orangutans, chimpanzees, and uh, gorillas and gibbons, if I studied their prints, I might be able to, to figure out some key that would relate to humans. So that's what got me into printing uh, gorillas, orangutans, chimpanzees, uh, even I've printed a, a ton of monkeys also, and I've also studied the, the lemur prints. So, subsequently, I became a, you know, due, due to this research, became a primate fingerprint expert.
0: So, Jimmy, how did you actually get involved with looking at Bigfoot print casts specifically?
1: Well, one day, uh, like I said, this is back in the early or late 90s, uh, I started uh, watching a uh, Discovery Channel show, and uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum from Idaho State University was displaying some Bigfoot uh, casts, and then he started talking about the dermatoglyphics, or dermal ridges, or uh, in my layman's term, is fingerprints. Uh, I started to get interesting, and uh, he started pointing out the the different patterns and the dermal ridges on the bottom of the cast. So I called him uh, the next day and and told him my Uh, went through my credentials and what I had been doing research on, and I felt that if this is a real primate, a non-human primate, then I should be able to tell the difference between if it's more like a human primate or a uh, non-human primate. And so he allowed me to come up to Idaho State University uh, that summer of 99, I believe it was, and uh, I examined, you know, he has over, at that time he had about a 100 uh, castings that people had sent him, or he had uh, cast himself, and two two casts, particularly, caught my attention. Well, actually, three. Uh, the Onion Mountain, I think they're calling it now, had some great dermal ridges, and I studied that. I actually got to bring it back to Texas with me and studied it for you know several months uh, to determine if this was actually dermal ridges, or was it uh, ridge artifacts, or you know what was the deal here. And I determined due to the uh, uh, changes in uh, direction of the, the ridges, it over 45 degree angle changes, which is the same thing you have in the human or a primate uh, delta uh, on your hands and on the bottom of your feet. And, but the most significant uh, evidence for me, that what really changed my mind about and being, I was a skeptic before, but when I examined the Walla Walla cast, uh, the Walla Walla cast, even though it was cast by Freeman in '87, uh, it has scars on it. And one thing uh, that I've learned as a crime scene investigator and a fingerprint examiner, if you cut your finger, cut cut a dermal ridge, cut across the dermal ridges, as the skin heals, the ridges, instead of coming back together evenly, they will curl inward. And kind of curl in, and this is the same thing I saw on that wallawall cast. if this is and this is biological, so it has to be uh, from a biological animal, and that's, that was one of the things that convinced me. And also, I looked at one of Freeman's casts. Uh, I'm not sure where it was cast from, but it had somebody had put human dermal ridges on it, and I'm not sure if it was done accidentally or done on purpose.
2: Now, now I I know something about Paul Freeman, and it's my understanding. At, and correct me if I'm wrong. But it's my understanding that he's he's pretty well been dismissed as a hoaxer throughout. Right? Do you do you believe that his casts were hoaxes, or do you think they're authentic?
1: Well, I'm, I'm the Walla Walla cast. You know, I have to tell you, you know, in my opinion, and it's due to that scar, it has to be, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, until somebody comes up with an explanation or shows me differently. Then it's my opinion that it is a, a biological animal. Uh, now, one of the that casts where that, that I felt that, and I'm not going to accuse Paul, Paul Freeman of faking anything, but that just was suspicious to me. And I think, and just as this is an opinion with no, it's just my personal opinion, just from looking at that that cast, not the Wall Wall cast, but this one where it had, had human fingerprints in, it, and you could tell there were human fingerprints. There was no question about it. But uh, I think that may have been. In a real Bigfoot cast, a footprint, and he may have tried to embellish. And that, that may be what got him in trouble and people labeling him as a fake, because uh, you know he was just over enthusiastic. Maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and so you said. So you said that uh, Meldrum had about a hundred casts there, and and how many of those did you look at, and how many did you did you determine any of them were hoaxes? Did you find any hoaxes at all? Oh,
1: oh, yes, yes, there were. There were several that were obvious. Like, I think he had one that, that Wallace had made, and you could, that wooden that wooden uh, footprint.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that, that was so obvious. I mean, you don't even have to be a uh, an expert to look at that and tell the difference that that, that wasn't a a real cast or a real, caste, a, a real uh, biological footprint. Uh, did
0: Beltram think it was a real cast at the time? Uh, did who? Did Meldrum think
1: that oh, it was a no? Bridge? Definitely not. And uh, when, when we and he didn't try to uh, uh, bias my opinion, he uh, he put me loose or let me loose in his lab in these trays and trays and trays of uh, footprint uh, casts, and he he left me alone. And I just went took my own pace. I was there three days, and at my own pace, I looked at all these prints with no. Uh, interruption from him. He, if I had a question, he would answer my question, but he did not try to influence my opinion at all. He just wanted me to look at it and tell me what I thought. And the two casts that that, uh, that I pulled out, I actually, when you asked me how many I looked at, I looked at all of them. And the two casts, the Onion Mountain and the Walla Walla cast, uh, are the ones that, that I felt were authentic and, you know, to this day, I say unless somebody can show me where it's not what I think it is, then I'm going to have to stick with that opinion.
4: Did, did, did all of the casts that you found dermal ridges on, did they um, did they also have the mid tarsal break that Jeff likes to use for authentication?
1: Uh, yes. Okay. As far as far as I know.
4: Oh, okay. To the best of your memory.
1: To, yeah, and I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I I didn't know anything about a mid tarsal break until I've started listening to Jeff Meldrum, uh, being being not a. Uh, in that field, gotcha. so so if I remember correctly, both of those did have that or uh, an allusion to that. And a lot of a lot of the, the casts that I look at, that I felt were dermal ridges, but I just not I, I couldn't make a uh, conclusion. They were just inconclusive. It looked like dermal ridges, but it could have been something else. The the Onion Mountain and the Walla Walla casts, I can't. I can't think of anything else that it could have been other than dermal roots.
4: I'll bring this up. The I think you call them casting artifacts. Uh, and the guy who, who do, did that work, he's worked with you, Matt Crowley. Um,
1: and- I've met uh, Mr. Crowley, and, and actually uh, we've had a, a, a roundtable conference with uh, with him and Dr. Meldrum and uh, Rick Knoll uh, in uh, Jefferson, uh, Texas, uh, at one of the conferences. We actually sit down and we talked about, uh, the the ridge artifacts, and this is something that you know once he 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 started sending me the, the his research work, and this is you have to remember this was done in um, you know at his house or a laboratory you know controlled environment controlled situation, and uh, we had and he he even agreed that the Wawa Walla Walla cast, uh, there's no way it could have been a, a ridge artifact.
4: Is there any chance that that particular print was one of these double strike bear paw prints? Um, is, is it, could it have been a, a, any other animal making the print?
1: Well, not. And, well, I would hate to say it, it, you know, can't be or it's impossible, because there's always, you know, the, the possibility. The probability, were would, I would say no, because you know they were more ridges on that uh, wall. You're talking about the wall, wall cast half with the scar, right?
4: With the scar, right.
1: Okay. Now, not only the scar is what, uh, what uh, made up my mind, but it also had the same, the ridges had the same uh, texture, which was the thickness of the ridge. It had the same ridge flow pattern, uh, even though in the middle of the foot it it, it does like a, uh, a regular non-human primate, and along the side of the foot with the ridges running alongside, that's another telltale sign that it's a non-human primate uh, print also uh, another thing in one of the the difference between the wallace cast and the the actual cast that i feel they're authentic is that these ridges are on the side uh of the foot you know it's coming up from the uh from the bottom and then coming the 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 ridges going up and down are on the a little bit up on the side of the foot. Well, and this—the reason that we're getting uh, those ridges on the side of the foot is because when you, when a, a, a large animal presses down, or even human, when you press down uh, into the soil, your the flab part of your skin is going to push out, and that's where if you if you're in some kind of uh, good sandy soil or clay, then you're going to make an impression on the side of your foot because that that skin pushes out. And when you release the pressure, when you step off, the skin sucks back in you know, to its normal position. That's why you don't have any distortion there. And whereas those wooden casts and wallaces, once you press down, it just presses down. It leaves a straight up and down mark.
0: And can we have a bit of an explanation of the term dermal ridge as well, as opposed to fingerprints?
1: Derm- dermal ridges are, uh, <clears throat> they have several names. They're fingerprints... They're also called friction ridges, uh, and all non, all primates, either non-human or human primates, have these friction ridges. None of the other animals, like the bears, they don't have friction ridges. They have little pads. <clears throat> even when I was doing the uh, printing the uh, the primates in Atlanta, Georgia. I was at Zoo in Atlanta, and they, they gave me the opportunity to print a big tiger. And I printed a tiger just to show them the difference. Uh, and you know, all the the felines and and the, the bears and the canines have a have pads instead of uh, friction ridges. I've heard that the that the friction ridges are developed in order to grip. It's also for your your feeling. Uh, for your, they, they're real sensitive to touch and to feel. Let
2: me, um, if I can, just sort of put this in context. So out of the tracks, there's a grand total of. About three tracks, is that right, that you that you've you believe you found
1: uh, dermal ridges on? Right. That's the Onion Mountain, the Walla Walla, and the Elkins Creek out of Elkins Creek, Georgia. Are the ridge patterns on those identical? Well, no ridge pattern is going to be identical from one animal to the, to the next. They're the same texture, and they have the same ridge flow pattern. In other words, the texture, when I was talking about te- texture and talking about, say, the thickness of the ridges, and they're about twice the thickness of the human uh, and non-human primates, like the gorillas, the thickness of the, of the ridges.
2: Okay. So you uh, just so I understand. So you've got so you've got uh, so these would uh, these, these would presumably be three individual, three separate individuals.
1: Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yes.
2: And and yet there's only one track for each one.
1: Yes, that's all that I've examined. I don't
2: know if there's any more. Well, no, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to do the math here because, you know, obviously a Bigfoot would have two feet, and if it goes any distance, you would expect that a given Bigfoot might leave thousands of tracks, uh, tens of thousands of tracks in its lifetime. It's just very odd to me that, that we would only have three tracks, and they would
1: all be different. Well, three, three tracks with dermal ridges. Now, if you... And I'm I'm not sure because I wasn't there when these uh, tracks were were cast, but I think the Onion Mountain. I think there were several casts uh, that uh, John Green cast that were in a that were going down the road. The only one I've only seen one. There were several uh, footprints, but the, the only one that Jeff Meldrum had that I saw was the, that that uh, that one. On the log cast, there were two. There were two, actually two uh, casts. I think a left foot and a right foot.
4: So, so if John Green has uh, some more from the same series, then that would be really important. If you could find the same ridge marks within the same series, right?
1: Well, if it's the same foot and the same animal, they should, you know, you should, should be able to job, make, a, right. make a positive identification. Yes.
4: Okay. I, I wonder if he's well. Maybe you know. Maybe he's got those and would share them if it's a point. That'd be nice.
1: You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well,
2: I mean, just my my assumption is that given how much attention has been paid to dermal ridges in in, in the Bigfoot community, that uh, that I would assume that there would be far more uh, research and far more casts that are that would have been shown to you and others uh, about this. But
1: yeah, well, see, Jeff, this I think this Onion Mountain cast was sent to Jeff, so or Dr. Melb, so I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I can't say that there's not others. I'm just saying I haven't examined any others. Now. Okay. I was in Willow Creek at the, uh, the International Bigfoot uh, Symposium, I did see at the Bigfoot Museum, I did look at uh, several other casts who had, that had indications of dermal ridges. But those are the only three casts that I would say, yes, in my opinion, these are dermal
4: ridges. So, in your opinion, what makes these, um, these particular examples, what makes these the dermal ridges of a Bigfoot rather than any other animal? Oh, I'm, I'm not,
1: I'm not saying that it's, it's a, uh, I'm just saying it's a primate. Okay. I don't remember ever, and I may have, but I, I don't remember ever saying, uh, that this is a bigfoot because I, I just say this is a, uh, a non-human primate. Gotcha. And the yeah. reason that I'm, and this is what I, I will tell you this, the reason I distinguish it from a human primate and non-human primate is because of those ridges running along the side of the foot. Humans, do, the ridges do not do that. If you're t- Take off your shoes and socks, and look at the bottom. Or have somebody look at the bottom of your feet. You'll see that the ridges run uh, across the width of the, the foot, and then just uh, uh, start dying out and, and fade out. On um, the ones, the the uh, cats that I've examined, the ridges will run right along side of the, some of the ridges. That's the difference, and that's how I tell the difference between a uh, a primate, a human primate, and a non-human primate. If you look at a gorilla. Uh, footprint. If you look up on the, the side of the foot, just a little bit up off the bottom, you'll see that the ridges are running up and down the length of the foot. Humans do not do that.
0: What kind of primates do you think left these these casts? or sorry, these prints.
1: Oh, I don't know, because I'm not a, a primate expert. I'm just telling you that the finger, that the that the, the dermal ridges or non-human
4: primates. Did, did you get good enough with your investigations that you could, like if you saw a gorilla print, could you ID it was a gorilla? From a-
1: to a certain extent. I could do the, the difference between the gorillas and orangutans are pretty unique. The difference between, and monkeys, monkeys can be separated from all, all the great apes. The lemurs can be separated. You can tell those, the lemurs, the monkeys, and the great apes. You can tell those three classes, you can tell the difference. Easily. Uh, the orangutans are separate from the uh, gorillas and the chimpanzees. The gorillas and the chimpanzees are pretty close together. Gotcha. Yeah, they're, they're hardest to tell.
3: Alien species that are Sasquatch. Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing.
4: Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right.
3: That is
1: a face on Mars eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't
4: understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms, and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter
3: at Chinwag Pod and Wagon.
2: Someone had mentioned earlier the talking with with Matt Crowley. Do you do you do you accept his explanations, or, or what's? It wasn't clear to me whether you you agree with him or whether you.
1: Well, I mean, he he has shown me his his work, and he has he has sent me little piles now. And I'm saying that since I've seen Matt's work, that I have to be more careful uh, to to make sure that what I'm looking at is not ridge artifacts. So I, I, you know, I agree with his work, and I I, I admit that yes, it can be done because because of his work. Now, one thing I will have to to say, and and I'm not an expert on plaster or the the uh, the material used, the dental cylinder plaster. I'm not an expert on how they react, but the tiles that he sent me, the, the, they were like if it was a three-by-three three tile. The whole thing was covered with ridge artifacts. Now, on these castings that I've examined, they're not. And you would think if, if – uh, and one of the reasons is because when you're walking through the woods or you're in a soft area – the whole foot, you don't get a good, uh, you don't get a good uh, impression of all the dermal ridges because of all the leaves and the vegetation. But if you hit a, a, a muddy, a muddy uh, riverbank, and it's got good clay, that it'll take. It's still going to have stuff in there. that's going to just, it's not going to, uh, just going to cover up the uh, the ridges. So what I'm saying is, if you if you have a can- Cast. It's got par- partially. It's got some leaves, in it and it's partially. It's got a nice area that would take the impression of dermal ridges. And if you cast that, if if they're not if they're not ridge artifacts, and just the ridges are gonna, uh, are sh- just the, the area that was exposed to the good soil is gonna be, ridge, uh, gonna be ridges. According to Matt, the way he poured it, no matter what surface it was in, the whole cast would have been uh, had ridges on it. Uh, I, see. I, think, that, I think. Does that make sense? Does anybody understand what I just said? Yeah, yeah, yeah
4: absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think in, in, he went on further with his research since then, and um, and and it made a lot of different size. Uh, it changed the size of his castings and some other things. So I, I know he's done a couple more years worth of stuff that he's put up on his website, um, and a lot of it has to do with the substrate that is put into. You know exactly. Yeah. The, you know so. In more realistic substrates, I, I think he was getting findings that were more consistent with what were on those prints. Um, so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at his website or not, but I'll shoot you an email with the link, and you can take a look. And if you want okay.
1: To. Uh, and, you know, like I say, that's, I think he's done some great work, and I think that uh, that everybody should be aware when you're looking at dermal ridges. Uh, is that dermal ridges or is it uh, ridge artifacts? Again, I'm not an expert in the, the, the pouring and, and the, the material used. But when I talked to Rick Noel, Rick, Rick Noel says, because he's, he's supposedly an expert in casting, uh, and when I, when he, he did the uh, the skookum cast, and mm-hmm. I, I saw some indication of dermal ridges on the skookum cast, but again, not clear enough for me to, to make a, a, a positive idea uh, as there being dermal ridges. But I, I certainly didn't see any ridge artifacts, and, and he, he claims that the his cast will not have ridge artifacts because of the way he mixes it and pours
2: it. How would you, just so I'm just understanding, what what characteristics would you find distinguishing between desiccation ridges and dermal ridges? I mean, if you if you acknowledge that they can be identical, then if you are just shown a patch, regardless of the, the entire thing, if you're just shown a section, what would distinguish for you that it was, in fact, a dermal ridge instead of a desiccation ridge?
1: Well, I would have to have enough, and I would have to see just about. If you look at your hand, just about any any place on your hand, or several places on your hand, there's what's called deltas, and the the ridges change directions over 45 degrees. Uh, a delta is a, uh, a little triangular area where the ridges uh, converge and then and, uh, deviate. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for because that, that means it's more biological. I've never seen, uh, to this day, I've never seen Matt's uh, ridge artifacts where it actually changes direction. I'm not talking about on a flat surface. I'm talking about on a, on a rounded surface where it's actually changing and going up or if it's going along, uh, along the side of the of the tile and then changes direction, 45 degrees going up. I haven't seen that.
4: Now, I, I, a lot of people are sending you prints now, right? I mean you've become sort of a, uh, a nexus for uh, trying to find uh, if the, the prints people are finding are uh, contain dermal ridges. When Jeff Meldrum did the investigation, there was a, a, a Canadian cabin that was supposedly attacked by a Sasquatch and it had all kinds of hard you know smooth surfaces. Uh, you know, the doors, the windows, there was refrigerators. Has anybody sent you anything like that where they were, uh, instead of a, a, a footprint or cast, something? Uh, are, you, are you getting any examples where they think maybe a Sasquatch or something has touched and left a handprint? or? A...
1: Okay, you're talking about laden prints from a Sasquatch. Exactly. Yes. As a matter of fact, they have. And, and most, in fact, all of them have turned out to be humans, everyone they've sent. And I've, you know. When people call me and say, "What can I do to preserve this?" I've had people send me jelly jars that, that they've had put out at bait and I've, I've done the process myself. I don't do that anymore. I usually uh, tell them how to get the the, the printing equipment and tell them how to do it, and uh, you know, and they'll sometimes they'll uh, do their own prints and send them to me. But to, to date, I have not found an authentic that, that I would feel is authentic uh, non-human primate prints. Uh, latent prints that they've sent me that they've actually lifted off of a surface. Now, I've had some of them off of a, uh, a window that had been, just been inconclusive. That they weren't, uh, you know, they they dusted it out and they were smeared uh, by the animal or by the person that I just, you know, I had to say, I can't tell one way or the other. The results are inconclusive. But most of the times that I've been sent, it's without a question human human dermal ridges.
0: And I hear that you examined one case uh, from Australia as well of the Yowie. Could you tell us about that?
1: The one, one of the Australian production crews in one of the uh, uh, documentaries that I did several years ago, uh, one of the crew members had a, uh, and I think that was a three-toed uh, Yowie cast, and there was no dermal ridges on it. He, he happened to look at it, and I looked at it, and there was no, no dermal ridges. You have to remember that getting dermal ridges in a... Uh, out in the woods is just very unlikely to, just it's very uh, very rare that's why I had, out of you know the 100 that I examined only uh, two or three you know had dermal ridges or good visible dermal
4: ridges would would it be possible to construct uh, you know people put out traps for different things like trying to get prints or trying to get hair would it be possible to construct something to try to get footprints in a, in a and get that kind of, uh, of finding record? I mean, like, what could you put out? I don't know. You know, I'm just off the top of my head. Concrete powder or something like that in an area to try to get better print quality.
1: Yeah, and so having said that, I'll give you a little uh, story that when uh, before the Skookum cast was was found in, in cash. That production crew was here in, uh, in Conroe, here in Texas, uh, and we were doing a uh, doing a documentary, and one of the, the crew members said, we're getting ready to go up, and I forget if that was in Washington or Oregon, wherever the sc- Scoop sco- and cast was cast from. Uh, and if I seem ignorant on some of these locations in, in, uh, areas and areas and some of the cast, I'm not um, well-versed on Bigfoot. I'm not a Bigfoot researcher. I don't want to go out and look for him. I don't follow the people who do. I do examine their evidence, and I do you know, give them some advice. So uh, forgive me if I sound ignorant on, on some of the locations. But anyway, before they went up to, to do the Skookum shoot, uh, one of the crew members, when we were on a the break, they asked me what would I do uh, in order to get a good, clear, uh, without a doubt, footprint with dermal ridges. And, uh, and I would say, well, if you're going to, and I told them, that if you're going to, you know, out in the woods, you need to bait an area and clean that area out, or some places on it, clean that area out so that you've got good soil and get all the leaves and twigs out of the way. And that's exactly what they did, and that's how they got the skookum cast.
4: Hmm. So what's your opinion of the skookum cast at this point?
1: Uh, Inconclusive, as far as I'm concerned, because the only thing I can tell you that, that I'm an expert in is the, the the dermal ridges. And even though I saw dermal ridges that had the same texture, I saw ridges on there that had the same texture. It had the same pattern flow getting ready to go up uh, the side of the foot, but it was a, it was the heel. So, you know, there really wasn't enough, and they didn't change direction. So, you know, there was nothing. It did have uh, the characteristics of, uh, of footprints like uh, the bifurcated the ending ridges uh, and I'm sure you, if, if you've watched CSI enough you understand that the way we make positive identifications and, and put bad guys in jail is through characteristics because everybody has one of three patterns on their fingerprints and that's arches, loops, and whorls it's the individual characteristics inside those pattern area that enabled us to make a positive identification so even though I did see the characteristics there just wasn't enough uh, for me to say yes this is a, a dermal ridge so uh, scookum cast you know since I'm not uh, an anthropologist or a biologist I, I can't tell you the anatomy uh, that they found whether it be animal or you know I just don't know
2: i think that the the latest analysis of that was probably that it was an uh, kneeling elk um, i've seen some pretty convincing Evidence for that. If that's true, then what would that say about your conclusion that there may be uh, dermal
1: ridges on it? Then what? What is that? Uh, what they're saying is an Achilles uh, tendon and a heel. What are they saying that is?
2: Well, I, I think uh, depending on which which part you're looking, I think I think he's assuming that that's uh, one of the ankles of the elk, uh, which would presumably be covered with with fur. I would, I would guess. Now,
1: now see, that's the the, the part that they. Have. Actually, sent me the the uh, uh, two sections of that uh, small sections of that skookum cast, and I saw the hair uh, ab- above the, uh, uh, a- the Achilles uh, tendon, and then the heel. To me, it looked like a heel and an Achilles tendon, and uh, there was hair above that. So I- I'm not I'm not familiar with any uh, conclusive evidence that it a- is it actually an elk. I, I just don't know.
4: But that's interesting. They they sent you a, a subsection of the whole casting to to look at. Yes. So have you ever examined the rest of it?
1: I've looked at it, but I haven't sat down and examined it because that was the only part that had of the foot. Okay. The rest of it was supposed to be hips and you know buttocks and
4: uh, you know elbow. But but it would have mattered if you if you would found similar patterns elsewhere in the in you know uh, in your examinations. So. Okay,
2: uh, let me co- quickly go go back to some of the tracks now. One of the tracks, Crowley, um, um, uh, he refers to it as the CA nineteen cast. CA nineteen. Do you know if that's the Onion
1: Mountain cast? I've do never you heard, heard of that uh, terminology. TA T- nineteen.
4: CA. I think it's CA nineteen. Yeah, California nineteen is what I think it stands for. It's, it's Meldrum's designation.
1: Okay. No, when I when I looked at that cast, Meldrum first told me. It was, And I wrote it down in my reports, but it was the Blue Mountain cast in 1967. And that's how, for years, that's how I identified that cast. And then, just in the, re- just in the recent, uh, last three or four years, they started calling it the Onion Mountain cast. And was that one of Freeman's? No, this is John Green's. Okay, because I know there was some question about the
2: chain of custody... Uh, regarding one of the one of the cast, the CA19 cast, and and the question then came, where did the cast come from? And of course, if if you don't know where it came from, then that that really <laughs> throws a monkey wrench in 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 the process. Sure,
4: sure. Monkey. And
1: I, actually, today you're saying that the first first time I've ever heard that designation. Yeah,
4: that it, yeah. That is something uh, Meldrum wrote on him in, in marker. Like it says CA19. Uh, okay. So. I, I don't. I assume that all of it uh, that he has some kind of way he keeps track of all of them um, is the only thing I can figure. But yeah, it, it, in handwritten on it it says Onion Mountain, August 1967.
1: Okay, then that's probably the cast, and it's it's about a 13 inch uh, cast.
4: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: that that sounds like the one, but I've never heard it uh, uh, with that other designation that you just said. So.
2: Okay. Yeah, I was I was only asking just just because uh, because again there was uh, some some doubts raised about uh, not only its authenticity but um, but its chain of custody. You know where exactly did it come from? Who made it? When? Uh, obviously, that's you know on your end of things, you're just examining the cast. It's not your responsibility right. to to make sure where it came from. But
1: obviously, well, I asked them. I asked them. You know, what do I call this cast for for future reference? And, and Meldrum always gave me a name to call it so that he could identify it later on. And if and it's my understanding and, and uh, I don't know, it's kinda like uh when you when you were a kid you sit around and, and you got played played the game gossip where you say something to the next guy and he says it to the next guy <laughs> and the time it gets all the way around the table it's all distorted, right? Well, Training whispers. Yeah, you know, that seems to be what's happening on this. The way I understand this cast is John, John Green uh, cast this, and there was a series of casts that, uh, and somebody, and if, if I remember, I talked to John Green, and if I remember correctly, he told me that he actually saw the dermal ridges in the the footprint before or the, the before he cast it, and uh, so, you know, that's to the best of my recollection.
4: So, besides dermal ridges, I, I know that. Uh, have you also found sweat pores in one of your casts?
1: No. Well, nothing. that – Well, yeah. Uh, the the I'm trying to think now. The Elkins Creek. When I looked at that close up, it looked. It appeared to be sweat pores in the ridges of that cast. And as a crime scene investigator, when I would go out and lift prints, often I would. When I would lift latent prints, I would. They would be sweat pores in the in the latent prints. But, and I think when I made that statement, I said, appeared to be.
4: Yeah, and, and I think coming from law enforcement, you have to couch this, I mean, that you're trained to be careful about what you say, I hope. Right.
1: <laughs> yes, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm just a human being, too, and sometimes I'll get uh, my tongue behind my eye teeth and not be able, you know, I'll misstate something. There's no, you know, no question about it, I can make a mistake, uh, a verbal mistake. So I try to be very, very careful and, and and not make a positive statement unless I'm positive.
0: And uh, are there any other fingerprint experts who've examined these casts and come to the same conclusion? So has there been any peer review of your work?
1: The Krantz, uh, Grover Krantz, Krantz had a uh, latent fingerprint examiner examine examined some of the castings he has. And that I have not seen, and I've not examined. And uh, that examiner, if I remember correctly, uh, said that they were, you know, dermal ridges, and that that was all. He wouldn't say if they're primate or non-primate. Of course, he'd he'd never printed he'd never printed any gorillas or orangutans or chimpanzees. So how would he know?
2: But that, that I, was...
1: as far as I know, I'm the only law enforcement officer who's ever actually printed. Uh, a variety in this many, you know, non-human primates. I spent a week there at uh, Yerkes Primate Center uh, printing, like I say, monkeys, orangutans, chimpanzees, gorillas, and I've got a, you know, a fairly decent collection of of primate prints.
2: You had said that, uh, I think what Karen was getting at, was that you talked about people replicating or at least looking at Grover Krantz's work. What about your work uh, on dermal ridges for these things? Uh, I know that in Meldrum's book he talks about how uh, your conclusions have been discussed with other associated people in law enforcement. Uh, so what did they say?
1: Uh, they, the, the people that I've actually, the latent fingerprint examiners that I've shown them to said, yes, that looks like dermal ridges, and they said it doesn't look human because of you know, the texture.
2: And have they just, have they, has anyone written anything up on this or just
1: sort of told you privately? No, this is just something that, you know, that you talk to your, uh, when I would go to, back then, when I would go to a, a school or go to some kind of, uh, law enforcement convention, I'd always bring those tasks, uh, and show my, you know, my peers and my contemporaries, uh, to, to get their opinion. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody says, wow, it looks, you know, it looks like Dermal Ridges to me, you know. But have you have to remember that 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 uh, most of the, uh, in fact, all of the the latent fingerprint examiners that I've shown this to has have nothing to re- compare it with other than human fingerprints, and so they're saying, yeah, that looks that looks like dermal rigid, but it doesn't look human.
2: And have you thought about writing any of this up for or any any publication or peer reviewed journal so that other people can learn from it?
1: Well, I'm not sure what they, you know, Meldrum, Meldrum's written up uh, just about all my work that I've done, and I'm certainly not, uh, uh, not an author, I and mean, I think that would be out of my realm. I would have to have help if I was to do a, you know, a book or something like that. But no, I haven't. Uh, well,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I'm just thinking that you know, if, if, if you know, if what you found is 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 accurate and valid, and and they're actually you are finding these dermal ridges. Uh, you know that would be important for other, other uh, future Bigfoot investigators and, and fingerprint examiners to, to learn from. So, um, yeah, well, I
1: think I think I think it has been written up not by me but by other. I, I've I've had people send several books uh, that they have used. You know my works and my findings in.
4: Uh, let me ask you: in in your findings, um, I believe Crowley told us that that if you properly prepare um, a trackway, then you wouldn't get desiccation ridges. It's like if you sprayed it with uh, something like what hairspray or something, Mm -hmm. that you probably wouldn't get those kind of things. Have you written up anything for people who want to try to get tracks to help kind of remove those uh, potential uh, false positives?
1: Uh, No, I haven't. And the reason, and and we use the hairspray when we do... Uh, shoe impressions. When, it, when we're at a crime scene, gonna, uh, cast a shoe impression, we use the, the pump hairspray to, to stabilize the soil. And, uh, but, you know, this is something, uh, I know how to pour dental stone. I know, know how to pour casting, but I'm not an expert in it. And I'm certainly not gonna tell anybody else how to do something that, that, that I'm, you know, not more versed in. Gotcha. I know how to do it. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, a carpenter you know i know how to nail nails together but i certainly don't have the expertise that a carpenter does
4: i hope i know i think you probably get to talk at a lot of bigfoot conferences i, I i'm sorry if we're nailing you with all these t-
1: no that's all, that's all right
4: okay <laughs> feel like i don't want you to feel like you're on the, uh, the stand or something uh, although you probably yeah, have right. Been,
3: right? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: I've, I've been uh i've been uh, cross-examined by the best of them I, i'll tell you all right Well, and that's <laughs> That's where you learn the most it, uh, you you think you you kind of say that with tongue in cheek, but uh, I learn more about my my field in the courtroom when i'm cross examined by a good attorney, and i've I've gotten you know you improve yourself uh, when you're cross examined by a good attorney and because you know I would be stupid to say I'm perfect and I know everything and i because I don't so. And what I'm saying is, to the best of my knowledge, and let's look at it this way, I, I, as I told you before, I'm not uh, a researcher. I'm not going to go out and look for this animal. I'm certainly not going to be a TV star, if you've seen any of my documentaries. I'm not running for public office, and I have nothing to gain by doing this. And as, as my reputation as a late paper examiner is well-established, so I don't have to worry about, you know, everybody... Uh, you know, kidding me about uh, the Bigfoot
4: thing. I have to ask a question. That's a perfect lead-in to this question. Okay. It seems like your credibility is completely established through your work uh, with law enforcement. Yes. But when I watch the documentary Legend Meets Science, there's this point in the documentary where you you turn to the camera and you say that you've come to uh, the conclusion that there's a great ape living in North America, that the friction ridges are from a great ape. But then you say you stake your reputation on this conclusion and i I don't understand why you would say that was that something they asked you to say was that scripted yeah well (laughs) you've
1: done a documentary before also
4: (laughs) well ben has i have but i've okay well
1: that's that's a great point because they they, and and being a professional law enforcement i'm not i'm not usually susceptible to uh to prods like that but, yeah, they they kept saying, make you know, make a positive statement or do this or that. And uh, which is, you know, staking my reputation on it. Uh, you know, I have a good reputation in, in law enforcement. And what I'm saying is that these dermal ridges or these uh, friction ridges on the cast, they, to the best of my knowledge, to the best of, you know, my honest, most honest answer is yes, it does look like, a primate. I've studied primate footprints and fingerprints. I've studied human footprints and, and fingerprints. To the best of my knowledge, this looks like a primate, a non-human primate. Gotcha. So, so that's yeah. and you know, I get, I get in court. I still, I'm still doing consulting work. And uh, if you've got time for an antidote, I've, I've got a nice story that I'd like to tell you. Sure, go ahead. You have the time? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well. Uh, a lot of now since I'm doing uh, uh, consulting work for the defense, a lot of prosecutors, when they when they see that I'm the one that's, that, that's uh, uh, testifying for the, the defense, what I do for the defense is just go verify matches and and uh, the, the the law enforcement to work. Well, sometimes uh, we disagree, and I have to go to court. So the first thing that the prosecution wants to do is try to show the jury uh, to try to uh, just belittle me a little bit so they have I was in federal court in Houston Texas and the federal prosecutor the first thing he asked me is did you make a statement on TV that, that you believe in Bigfoot and uh, and you know he just tried to make me look bad in front of the jury and so I, I turned to the judge and I said judge I said this is not a yes or no answer and it's kind of yes and kind of no and I, it needs an explanation. And the prosecutor said, no, we don't need no explanation. Just answer the question, yes or no. But the judge said, wait, I'd like to hear the explanation. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the female judge. And so, now here's where where it backfired on the prosecution. So I was allowed, and it took me about an hour, and I, I, I explained just about everything I've explained to you, how I got started, exactly what I had done, and... You know what I had found, and the jury were just amazed. So that really backfired on that uh, prosecutor. And I don't think I don't. Uh, the next time uh, I went to trial, nobody asked me about Bigfoot. He <laughs> scared him off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, it, it sounds like you're saying that on these uh, three casts, you see what look like friction ridges, and, what? and you know that they. You're the expert, and they look like friction ridges, you know. I think as a skeptic, you know, I can say that I'd like to see consistency somehow. I'd like to see two or three tracks from the same trackway presenting the same exact friction ridges so that you could compare.
1: Yeah. Now, if it's the same foot, it's going to be the the exact same
4: uh, friction ridges.
2: Exactly. And
1: I can actually make a match just like I would for a criminal.
4: Uh, that's what I'd like to see, right. Yeah.
1: But here's the thing. Now,
4: here's what I would like to see.
1: And I did see this in the waddle Wall cast when I had a left and a right foot. The They both had friction ridges looking the same, but the characteristics were different. And that's what we look for in, in, in uh, criminology. We look for the difference. I'd like to see a series, maybe at least four, two left and two right, so that I could make a positive those two lefts. Are the exactly the same foot, and those two rights are the exactly the same foot, different from the left. Mm-hmm.
4: Statistically, okay, yeah. Statistically, would you be able to identify like an individual from the amount of uh, material you've been able to to ID? I mean, it'd be really hard, wouldn't it?
1: Would I be able to what now? Like, could
4: you could you use the friction ridges you've identified if they if they actually are from a primate? Uh, would you be able to identify that primate if you had a full print?
1: Most definitely, I wouldn't even have to have a full print. I'd just have the, the same, the same area that I've got. Say like the Onion Mountain. If I had a, if tomorrow somebody casts a, uh, a cast of that same animal, and it's the same foot and in the same area, then I could actually match those two up.
4: Wow, so you've got that much. as being okay. the same
1: animal? Yes, because it has characteristics. The characteristics. T- When you're born, when you come out of your mother's womb, you have those characteristics and those patterns, and they don't change throughout your whole life. And each and every human being that have ever walked the face of the earth is unique and individual through that uh, characteristic in their fingerprints. No two people have ever been found to have the same fingerprints, not even identical twins.
3: Interesting.
2: Well, let me let me do a quick. I'm sort of doing the numbers here now. The the, uh, the three tracks you found were uh, the Onion Mountain, Walla Walla, and Blue Creek, right? No,
1: and uh, Elkins Creek, Georgia.
3: Okay,
2: and uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean the, I think the most recent of those is probably Walla Walla, which I think was '84.
1: Eighty. Was uh, that? I think it was mid '80s, '85 or '87, but I'm not sure. I'm not positive. Right. Well, try not to well, quote me on that, would you?
2: No, no, no. That's no. That's, I'm, I'm not trying to nail you on a specific date. I'm just trying to figure out that it seems odd that the most recent track that that and that, any, that cer- certainly surfaced, I mean, there may be other ones out there, but the most recent track is almost a quarter century old. Um, and
1: what was the the, the Elkins Creek? Uh, that was in the '90s, wasn't it? Are you when when talking it? the Scruggs cast? Elkins Creek, Georgia cast.
2: And, and that was
1: 90s I, i'm not sure but I th- it, it was i think it was later than the Walla Walla cast this was cast by a deputy sheriff uh, in uh i forget the county there but that was cast by a law enforcement officer who sent that cast to jeff melvin
2: and and it's my understanding that that part of the reason why there are so few casts uh, of the that, that show that dem- that demonstrate the dermal ridges is because as we talked about before you have to have a very specific substrate you can't just you can't, you know, if, if something's walking along on on twigs and leaves, you're just not going to get that. Right. You're going to no, get that, an
1: impression. You're going to get a. You, if he's heavy enough and the soil is soft enough, you're going to get an impression and a good idea of the foot, but you're not going to get the detailed dermal ridges.
2: But but presumably the, there obviously there are places that have have you know if if they if these are in fact dermal ridges instead of uh, instead of artifacts from casting, then presumably. You know, then, then there are definitely at least a handful of places that the soil type is just right. And so what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, there would, by, by some estimate, there would have to be tens of thousands of Bigfoot out there. Each of them presumably have two, two legs. And so you'd be talking about literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of potential footprints. And it's just odd to me that there only seems to be three that have been found with that.
1: Well, no, that's that's not a good statement. It's three that I've examined.
2: Okay, do you, do you know a bunch of other I, ones? I, I, that...
1: doubt, I doubt that I've examined all the castings that have ever been cast. Do you know of other ones? Well, no, but I say I, I doubt. Oh, I know that, that Grover Krantz has a collection. Uh, John Green has a collection. Uh, John Magel probably has a collection. The only collection I've seen is the Jeff collection and the, the few that have been sent to me since I've been doing this.
2: But so do you know, I mean, have you asked to, I'm just, I'm just, I had, I had assumed that you had, you had sort of gone through some of the other collections and, and looked for. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that no one's done that.
1: No one's, you know, no one has, uh, and I know that, uh, or I don't I say, I know, I've heard that John Green has, uh, the other man
2: out in the onion mountain cache uh, so uh, all right well let me let me just do a quick follow-up then so given that given that you've only seen a small subsection of the available footprint tracks how many would you expect um, I mean how many more would you expect to to find
1: yeah I don't know and I mean how, how that's a Right, well, How, could I if, pos- if it- How could I possibly answer that question? Yeah,
2: if, it was
4: bare- <laughs> if it was barefoot people instead of Bigfoot, I mean, if it was barefoot yeah. people walking, would you expect to find more, uh, you know, than you find on these? You would,
1: you would think so. But uh, again, you know, I'm you're you're asking me questions that I'm not.
4: Yeah, right. It's hypothetical. An expert in right.
1: And I, I really, I really do try to stick with the things that I know about. Sure. And and I try not to, to do any guessing or. Uh, assuming, or you know, and that's just my nature.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: No, I, I, I would have just thought that that Meldrum or you or someone else. Uh, my assumption was that if, if uh, any of these other people that have these these stocks of uh, collections of, of Bigfoot tracks, if they had some reason to think that there may be dermal ridges, I'd, I'd be I'd be shocked if they hadn't already brought them to you years ago. But maybe uh, I'm wrong. Uh,
1: and I, I don't know if I'm shocked or not, but I can tell you they, they haven't. And I'm sure Meldrum, uh, if you if you talk to Doctor Meldrum, he could probably tell you, you know, he's probably got more had have, have seen more of the collection than than I'll ever see.
2: Well, I, I've got his book right here, and he only he only lists a few of them, and, and most of them are in reference to the work you've done.
1: Okay,
4: right. Well, then, within the within the uh, as far as the, the dermal ridge work, but right, right. but uh, yeah. So, has, well, how passionate are you about this research? I mean, is this the kind of thing you seek out on your own, or do you only do it if, uh, if if people come to you with material and ask you to take a look at it? I
1: only do it. I only do it unless somebody comes to me. You know, I'm a I'm a in this in this field, I'm kind of the 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 the, the cheerleader. I'm telling you, uh, they come to me and you know, is that really what you think? I said, yes, that's really what I think. Then. And these field researchers, and I've met a lot of these field researchers, and they're very passionate about what they do. Uh, I've got a life that I'm, I'm retired. I've got grandchildren. I do. I play golf a lot. <laughs> uh, I make. Uh, I've got a woodworking shop that I make all my grandkids' uh, Christmas presents and stuff, and make just make a lot of stuff. Uh, the Bigfoot portion of my life is not even a half of one percent of my life. Gotcha. Okay, because, you know, I, and I, I'm happy. I'm very happy to help these guys because I, in my heart, I believe, you know, from the evidence that I've examined, I believe there's an animal out there, and I'm hoping that somebody out there will find, do a live capture, or, you know, I hate to see the body. I, I, I'm not uh, an advocate of, uh, of killing one of these animals, but I'd like to see a live capture. Uh, the, and I'd like to see the hoaxers, you know, quit it and let, let the, the serious researchers you know do their research
4: amen well you're from you're from Texas I mean I I thought that the isn't there more of a shoot and kill one attitude down there about Bigfoot
1: well maybe And I'm a fifth generation Texas but also you know I'm an individual and I have my opinion right there I you have, go
4: okay'm
3: you know, I'm not
1: I'm not a crowd follower you know I've, I've, I'm old enough to think for myself and uh I'm a Vietnam veteran. I've seen enough killing. As a crime scene investigator, I've seen more bodies than I ever want to see again. Uh, I'm a purple. I've got a Purple Heart. That got wounded in Vietnam. Uh, when I when I retired, you know, I said to myself, I want to live a peaceful life, and I don't want to see any more dead bodies. I don't even. I don't even hunt animals.
4: Wow.
1: I'm not a deer hunter. And try to be from Texas and be and not a deer hunter.
4: <laughs> you, do, you, you do eat barbecue, though, right?
1: <laughs> I do eat barbecue. <laughs> okay, yes, <sir>. okay.
4: <laughs> but
0: uh, Jimmy, you approached Meldrum, Jeff Meldrum, to begin with, didn't you? I'm Initially, impressed. you approached uh, Jeff Meldrum originally, didn't you? Yes,
1: yes, I did, because I felt that uh, <laughs> that my expertise as a primate fingerprint ex- examiner, or, or having expert expertise in, in primate fingerprints. I felt that I could add something, you know. I really thought that I would, uh, and and I think in the back of my mind when I was driving up to Idaho, I felt that I was going to, I wasted a trip and I wasted a week uh, because I was going to get up there and find hoaxes and, you know, stuff. Because it's hard to fool, you know, I work here. I I do this for a living, so it's going to be hard to fool me. And I really thought that that I would debunk everything he had and I, like I say, I didn't make a snap decision. I took t- those two castings back to Texas with me, and I examined them in my lab, and I put them under the laser. I did cross uh, illumination on it, just t- I, and I thought of every way I could think of that these were not dermal ridges. Mm-hmm. But I failed
4: in that quest. Oh, I, Actually, we had some questions from listeners, if you have a couple more minutes. The, uh, sure. The one uh, one of the questions was, uh, do any other animals have prints like humans? Uh,
1: no, uh, other than the great the, the primates.
4: Okay, I guess they had heard that maybe the koalas do, but um, th- they were wondering about that. So.
1: Okay, koala. I don't. I don't know. That's right. a good yeah. point. I've, I've heard that before.
4: And their hands would probably be a lot smaller than a human. So. Right. Right. So. I
1: don't think you'd get a koala mixed up with a gorilla or orangutan or uh, a human. But i but that's that's a good point though uh all the 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 I've been taught that only primates have uh dermal ridges
4: okay and okay. The, the next one was um have you ever tried to create a bigfoot cast by yourself like from a from a print
1: no not at all okay uh, you talk about uh
4: they didn't specify. I, they just want to know if you'd ever tried to do one yourself. I, I don't assume they mean hoax one, but I mean just to like try to pour cast and, and, and get you know from an actual big footprint.
1: You no, know, we did uh, when when I first started doing this. Uh, in the, in our lab, we we made a uh, we I think we copied one uh, because all the officers wanted to put one outside my window the, as a
4: joke. Oh, I see. <laughs>
1: Uh, believe me, when I first started doing this, you know, I, I did take a little razzling about it.
4: As a CSI investigator, right. I guess what they mean is you wouldn't normally accept evidence uh, prepared by amateur people. Uh, is that a problem? Well,
1: not, you know, not, not. Pre- you got the wrong word. There. Evidence not prepared, but evidence uh, collected.
4: Collected, okay.
1: Yes, I would. I would take. We we take evidence that are collected by amateurs all the time.
4: Ah, good point. Okay. I okay. So, that was... so
1: we and, But we have to process this evidence. In other words, somebody said, here's a Coke can that uh, we think the bad guy touched. Sure, you know. And and we don't, you know, we don't determine. We we process it and lift the prints, and we match it. You know, if it's, uh, and we don't, uh, like I say, if it's a suspect that we were looking at and his prints are on the Coke can, then he has to explain why his prints are on the Coke can. But, uh you're talking about someone trying to, to fake evidence and, and give it to us.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay. Is, is that, was that ever an issue in law enforcement? I mean, the chain of
1: custody is an issue, but not uh, actually the, the, the evidence itself. We have to be careful where it came it come from and it's not contaminated. And, and an amateur can, uh, or a professional like, a, like our officers, we have to worry about officers contaminating or messing up evidence as much as we do civilians. And uh, when we go into a house burglary, you know, it's all the evidence is, is contaminated in some way or another.
4: We, I want to say, I thank you. I thank you very much for all your time. You're, you're very gracious with your time, and we appreciate yeah.
1: it. Well, thank you. Well, say, you, thank you for having me. I'm-
0: Monster Dog.
4: Well, that was our interview with retired Texas lawman Jimmy Chilcutt. Links to several items related to this interview will be in the show notes. I'm Blake Smith, and on behalf of Dr. Karen Stolzno and Ben Radford, I want to thank you for listening. Monster Talk is made possible by our friends at Skeptic Magazine. We wouldn't have this platform for skepticism, and certainly not the audience size we have, if it weren't for the particular effort of Daniel Loxton. Daniel's first English language book has just been released, and if you like the kind of science and wonder we try to embrace here at Monster Talk, you'll love this book. It's called Evolution, How We and All Living Things Came to Be. And Daniel didn't ask me to say anything about this, but I bought a copy and my kids love it. Got a little scientist in your life? They'll love it too. It's beautifully illustrated and written in a language that kids or even creationists can understand. Links to get a copy and also to support the Skeptic Society are at skeptic.com. Music for today's episode by Pete Stilling Monkeys and Symphonia Electronique. Thanks for listening.
3: Want to stay abreast of the latest from Skeptic Magazine and the Skeptic Society? Want cutting-edge skeptical articles delivered straight to your inbox every week? Then subscribe to eSkeptic, the free electronic newsletter of the Skeptic Society. Visit skeptic.com to sign up.